First off, let's just get it out. The elephant in the room. We're wearing the exact same Amazon Basics black well, it, sweatshirt. It was two for one. We had to. <laughs> they're comfy. They're minimal. And they're they're cheap. They're good. I like them. Same. Did you buy a bunch of different colors? No. Damn, just black. Just black. Wow. Okay. All right. I only wear black. So. I thought I was the minimalist. Damn. <laughs> Do you have a lot of clothes or no? Uh, I mean, I, I think... In comparison to you, I probably have more, more, but in comparison to most, I have a lot less. <laughs> Did you get rid of them this past year at all? Um, well, not when I say this year, I mean 2018. No. Okay. Yeah. Would you call yourself a minimalist? I mean, I, I never, I don't really label myself as a minimalist. I don't think it's good to. I, I want to start moving away from that as much as yeah. possible. It's like introducing yourself. You should never start off with like, I'm a YouTuber, right. I'm a minimalist, I'm a vegan, I'm whatever. Yeah. You know, that's probably not smart. Yeah. I mean, so, I don't, I just, I try not to label myself those types of things because I don't, I don't know if I have like a intelligent answer to say why, but it's like, I don't eat meat, but I don't go around advertising like, Hey, I'm a vegetarian. I'm a, you know, minimalist, you know, New Yorker, you know, whatever. It's like, I just do the things that I want to do for the reasons that I want to do them. And then that makes up me, but I'm not like championing anybody else's cause. I'm championing the cause of what I want. Yeah. Just and, the idea of introductions are weird too, right? Like trying to package your entire life into a bite sized description. Yeah. Is I mean, that, it, is it, it awkward for you introducing yourself to people? No, I mean, I, I, it's not awkward to introduce my, myself in person just because it's like I'm confident in what I do. You're just talking. Yeah. yeah. So it's like I'm 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 proud of what I do as well, and so it's not like I'm ashamed of it to be, you know, like, you know, to say like what I love to do. It's like I love filmmaking and doing all that type of stuff. So, so that's what you'd say. Me. You're like I make films, and I'm in New York City. Like I mean, our... it depends on. A lot of times, I'll just say I'm a YouTuber, just because that's easier. Mm. Um, but because if you say filmmaker, there's a lot of different types, but if you yeah. say YouTuber, people kind of know. Mm -hmm. So w like what kind of, what, what's that called? Uh, stereotypes. Do you yeah, think people like label stigma it? Or something. stigma? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously the largest, uh, group of people are probably only going to know what they see in the news, mm. which is going to be negative things from Logan and Jake Paul, PewDiePie, and, all the big ones you know it's like th those are the, the what they're going to relate to youtubing it's and how-to videos so it's like how do i fish fix my dishwasher mm. and then like drama yeah so there there are some t people that that's all they really relate youtube to and maybe that'll give me a negative image but i don't really worry about it it's like i and then obviously you get the how do you make money question right yeah from friends and family or yeah everybody I everyone mean, i mean yeah why, why is that such a thing? Why? It's a pretty valid question, though. Yeah, it is, but... I mean, because if you, if you have never been experienced with the space, yeah, and somebody was like, yeah, I mean, I make 10-minute videos how many ever times a week, and you're like, that's cool. Like, yeah. how does that make money? The bigger question, I think, is why does it affect people? Why do people kind of get pissed off and offended when people ask that question? I think that's a mm. better question to ask yourself, because... 
if I was talking to a marine biologist, I would be genuinely interested in how they get money. Mm -hmm. Like it's through grants and probably stuff like that. And there's probably some corporate interest, but it's fascinating. Uh, I think that's an interesting question. Like how do you get money to research five dolphins over three years in the Pacific? Like, I don't know. Yeah. I think that'd be cool. Yeah. I mean, I I don't, that question never offends me. I mean, because I'm, I'm naturally a curious person. So I want to like, I would ask those questions. I mean, I did ask those questions in the beginning and Mm -hmm. now I have educated myself, but word. So for people who don't know you, um, you came to New York city. How long has it been now? Years, year and a half, year and a half, almost years, still single. Um, where did you move from? Moved from Tulsa, Oklahoma, Tulsa, Oklahoma. Okay. To a big city, (laughs) to the biggest city. Yeah. Why'd you move? Uh, I mean, my wife, Sarah, has always had the dream of moving to New York City ever since I've ever known her. We've been married for 10 years. We've been best friends and dating for many years even before that. 10 years. 10, yeah. Um, and so it was always kind of on the table mm. of, you know, her. one of her things that she told me, you know, on a regular basis was, you know, just that she didn't want to live in Oklahoma her whole life. She had seen many people, including lots of, if not all, family, you know, live and die in Oklahoma. And not that there's anything wrong with it. It was just wrong for her and not and something that she wanted her to be to be a part of her legacy. Mm-hmm. And so that was always on the, on the table. And then as we were in Tulsa and I kind of was in this career job, um, I was working as a creative director at a church. And the time never really felt right to leave. It felt like we were getting. Working at a church as a creative director seems like the other side of the coin compared to wedding filmmakers. (laughs) Like both lead you towards being a full-time filmmaker, making some money Mm -hmm. with a camera. But I see the similarities there. So that's cool. Yeah. Um, okay. So you were doing that, but then you both had an angst to kind of move up to a bigger space in some way. Yeah. I mean, we just felt like the, the season had, has started to shift where we wanted to experience different life. Mm -hmm. Um, Tulsa was amazing. We have amazing people that we, you know, still to this day are like our life friends. Um, but it was like, we wanted to get out of, the Midwest. We wanted yeah. to get out of, um, you know, this, the most red state in the nation. Um, and just kind of, I don't know, just experience life and big city life is, is something that's always been very intriguing to us. Um, and then the catalyst for the move w- was though that, you know, obviously if I worked at a, at a church you you, uh, would assume that I'm a Christian. So through, you know, our, our worldview of being Christians and, and putting kind of our decisions and things like that, you know, to God, to a higher power, however you want to say it is like, we genuinely had an, an encounter and experience that of God telling us New York specifically. Mm. Um, and then once we received that word, as they would say, yeah. um, God is not a West coast guy, yeah. <laughs> okay. uh, you know, it's like once that was you know, God said, move to New York. We were here, um, within two months and everything worked out. It was amazing. So planning, you were doing filmmaking. Mm -hmm. So you must've had some kind of plan to do that in New York. 
um, did you attempt to do church uh, filmmaking in a sense here, or did you? What was the plan, and then how did things? really pan out once you got here yeah because it's tough like the first couple of months in new york city are tough for everyone especially someone coming from the midwest or a small town right um the thing is for us we didn't really have a plan to do anything um the only plan was to move to new york city we had been very privileged and very fortunate to grow up in a place that was so cheap and that we were able to make wise investments at such a young age. And so we were able to cash out those, you know, the properties, uh, you know, that we owned and come here with a good nest egg mm. to where we can move here and follow our dreams, essentially. And so we moved here with no plan other than knowing I was going to freelance photography, videography, and design. Mm -hmm. Um and live production stuff because that was my skill set um same with sarah like she was going to freelance write you know do whatever um and the the number one kind of plan we had for moving here was we were going to start a creative agency with a couple of friends um, who were going to move to new york shortly behind us that never panned out because major life events happened in their lives which took them away from new york city and okay. so the whole creative agency that we like had moved here to start just put was put on hiatus. All through the meantime, I had started making YouTube videos when we were in Tulsa, um, just not not on any regular basis, not on any sort of like let's be YouTubers. It was just... When life gives you lemons, become a YouTuber. <laughs> yeah. It, there was no plan of that. Um, it was just that I've been making videos for a decade. I love making videos, and I love making home movies. Were you a Vimeo guy? Yeah. You were uploading Vimeo before YouTube? Yep. Did you have a YouTube channel just sitting there for a while, or did you like legit start it three years ago or two years no, ago? No, yeah. I've had a YouTube channel since 2006. Okay. Yeah. But it was just chilling. Yeah. I mean, I was uploading stuff, just things that I was making for the church or things that I was making for clients or... But no one cared. Yeah. I mean... No, <laughs> no, one, no one saw it. Yeah. None of that was ever for really... In, I mean, yeah. When, did, when did your YouTube channel start? When was phase two of the YouTube channel? When did you start uploading? When you got to New York or before? So it was a... It was a like six months before, yeah. but it was like I was saying, like it's very sporadic. It yeah. was just maybe one video a month, two a month, or you know maybe we did two months without a video, that type of thing. It was just I was making home movies, and so aren't we all? <laughs> and so I mean, that, what is vlog? Right, and it, it was like I I made you know back fifteen years ago, I was making these same home movies that had no home recording a bunch of video. Mm -hmm. And then I would cut it up, put music to it. And then I would have this, you know, however long little home, well-produced home movie. Um, so who's the first person to care other than yourself? You make, I, did you start making them for like your family or friends or? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I was making them for me and then putting them out and then my friends and family loved watching them. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, for those, I don't know how many there are, a dozen or so videos before I moved to New York. Um, you know, those were getting 100 to 200 views. And, you know, knowing YouTube, like the, those were, they was actually probably only like 50 people watching it. Yeah. Um, so it was, in no way was I moving to New York thinking like, 
oh my gosh, we're getting 200 views. We're going to move to New York City and be YouTubers. Like, it had nothing to do with that. What if, okay, whatever. Like, pick a vlog, one of your favorite vlogs this past year. Mm-hmm. Um, what if everyone in the world had to watch it? <laughs> Think about that. Like, yeah. what if unlimited marketing ad spend, Super Bowl style, whatever. Like, everyone in the world had to watch it, like would i don't i'm just like interested in that idea i don't know random craig thought that just popped into my head but because it's a weird balance between people can create awesome content but if they don't know how to get it out in front of people right or if they just don't have time on their side Mm -hmm. you know if you just keep making good stuff eventually everyone will see it hopefully whatever but someone could be making amazing stuff but just no one sees it yeah i mean i would say that they're that's kind of the majority of people. So what has been your focus this past 2018? Honing your craft of making amazing content regardless of who watches it or changing, trying out new things, SEO, titles, thumbnails mm-hmm. to try to get more people to see what you're doing. Um, I would say that in 2018 it was a little it was a little bit of mix of both. Um, I would say the theme of the year would definitely be more so the latter of, of just creating things that I want to make and not worrying about, you know, is this the most searchable video possible? So let's call that architect versus engineer. So dreaming up beautiful things, sometimes too much, too risky, too crazy. Mm -hmm. And then I would say the engineer is the person who cuts away things to make it work Mm -hmm. and packageable and packageable and deliverable. Mm -hmm. So it seems like you were, taking risks and making content you wanted regardless. Yeah. And that's the way I always do it. Good. Um, I mean, one of my things I've always said is I, I'm, I'm making videos that I want to make. And if that leads to me, you know, leads to success, meaning I create freedom for myself and I can pay the bills creating the things that I want to create. That's my goal. If that doesn't work, then I would just go get a job. Because I'm not going to create a box, a, create a job for myself, creating videos every single week that ultimately I don't want to watch and I don't want to make. Mm. I would rather just go get a job and make the stuff that I want to make. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, last year there was a couple seasons of I I, I made a video that I guess we would say popped off um, in, in ways that was like it it's was almost at two million. Um, well, you know, that, yeah, that video was the catalyst to us being able to even say that we're pursuing a YouTube career. But last year, just, just a few videos that, that were algorithmically hitting harder than, than the normal video. Title and thumbnail. Title and thumbnail, that type of stuff. And so it was kind of like that uh, engineer part of me, you know, came in and was like, oh, well, I enjoyed making that video. Let's kind of pr- pursue that a little bit and try to make some more, it, that, it was like a New York specific kind of, um, weird things to find type thing. And I, I enjoyed making it. Um, but then I, you know, we made probably four or five videos directly after that that were very similar. And I, I, I was really proud of the videos, but they didn't do as well as the first one. Um, and, and so it was kind of like, it was a little discouraging in that moment of mm-hmm. just like thinking that I had found it and then realizing that I hadn't. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I just went, through the journey back to just, I just want to create home movies. I'm, I want to create 
I don't want to create for an audience today. I want to create for me in the future. I want to create for myself in 10 years. Whenever I click play on that video, I'm like, oh my gosh, I loved that day. That was such a great trip. That was like, I'm, I want to start, I still talk to the audience, but I, I want, I want to more so be like talking to the memory of, of the day. And if that, you know, (laughs) makes sense at all, but um, instead of like talking to, you know, thousands of people, just talk to me in the future of like, this is what's happening um, type thing. Do you talk to yourself when you're alone? <laughs> yeah. Everyone sings in the car, but I talk to myself all the time. Yeah, I talk to myself. I mean, especially like if I'm, it's not like a all day long, but I will definitely like if I'm editing or if I'm walking down the street and I remembered like I needed to go do something, like I will say out loud, like, oh man, I need to go back there. And like, mm-hmm. it's just, yeah, totally just talking to myself for sure. Because we think to ourselves all the time and talk to ourselves in that way, but it's always a little faux pas to talk to yourself in public around other people. Yeah. Um, but it's funny when people talk to themselves, their future selves in a vlog, it makes sense. Yeah. And, and I, it's almost like the audience may never recognize that it's more of a mindset for me. Mm-hmm. Cause I'm still talking to the camera and I'm still saying like walking down, you know, mm-hmm. X Boulevard and, you know, doing whatever. And it may be the language is almost the exact same as if I was talking to the person on the other side of the screen in the present day versus talking to myself in the future. But it's more so for me in my, as I'm making my film, the mindset that I'm in is not thinking about the, you know, the person on the other side of the screen. Okay. Yeah. So when you had a couple of your videos pop off, uh, you made the algorithm happy, I guess. Something changed because you probably weren't thinking about it before, but once those happen, at least it did for me, once I started realizing what would make the algorithm happy, um, and you go back to just making videos without making the algorithm happy, it does change you. You feel like a little, you're missing out on something. Mm. Um, As much as people say they want to just create what they want to create, I think it is healthy to find a balance between finding what works on the platform yet still creating the stuff you want Mm -hmm. because so much of it regardless of how big and crazy and intricate and detailed you plan and shoot and edit this video so much of it comes down to the title and the thumbnail which is insane it's crazy yeah you know yeah and i i I mean i don't know anybody who loves it but i mean I, i hate that yeah i hate it so much it's weird i mean that's the i would say that's the the only um, not the only, but the, the major part of, of the engineer comes out definitely whenever a title and thumbnail. Um, and I am not saying that I'm good at it at any means cause I'm not. Um, but when I'm making the video, I'm not thinking about what, sh- what shot should I get for the algorithm? You mm-hmm. know, it's like, what topic should we talk about for the algorithm? Whenever the video is done, then I will think like, okay, what would be the most, you know, clickable thumbnail or and title but also that doesn't m- make myself cringe mm-hmm. because I, I again it's like i i'm not i want to create for myself and i hate whenever i look at very clickbaity stuff of you know you'll never believe blah 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 or you know i'm quitting you know whatever it's like 
I understand it. It works, and I'm not. I, I have done it in the past of of just seeing what things work, and I mean, ultimately, the problem is it does work. <laughs> um, any you know videos that yeah. are uh, starting over you know, or whatever. It's mm-hmm. like, Oh, all you got twice the amount of views you normally do in the first day, mm-hmm. you know, just because the video is the exact same. It's the same video of yesterday, but the title is like sensational. So you use the word that we're talking about engineering, but it is prediction. It's putting yourself in their shoes when they're clicking through their computer or sliding through their phone. When they see this, what are they going to think? Uh, what are they expect? And then what happens with that promise within the first 10 seconds? Mm-hmm. Because you can make a really click clickbaity, healthy, you know, balanced thumbnail and title. And then the first 10 seconds is exact opposite of what they expect. And then they'll get pissed. You know, right. it's a negative return on that small investment of taking the 10 seconds to click on your video. Mm-hmm. Um, but just to... I think a balance between the two is good. So why not make the content that you want, but then also be good at predicting how people are going to respond? Because it always comes down to that promise and then do you fulfill that promise, right? Right. So what what do you what do you think people expect when they look at your cause so you, okay, let's break it down. You've got your current thumbnail. How would you describe it? Like what's your mindset? Because they all kind of look similar mm-hmm. but different, right? Yeah. What's your, what's your, it's kind of like your glasses. If I just put an image inside your glasses, you got the little blue box or uh, blue box around. Which that's, that's why I do it is because I have branded my face with blue frames. And so I'm branding, I'm making an extension of that brand into my YouTube. And so all of my YouTube thumbnails have a blue border around them to continue that brand and also to be instantly recognizable uh, just like my face, a lot of people, they'll see me on Twitter or my profile picture or whatever. I'll meet them at a networking event and they'll be like, hey, I know you. You're uh, w- w- Jensen. Yeah, that's right. And like because they, they immediately recognize my face brand of my blue glasses. Mm-hmm. And so taking that to a step farther and kind of branding that blue across my stuff. And that's why. I ha- so my thumbnails all have a, a blue uh, border. Mm-hmm. And, and a red circle and an arrow and uh, no, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, you'll never believe. Yes. And then an emoji of the yes, no. <laughs> a shocked face. Yeah, shocked um, face. So blue, blue border. It normally has Sarah and I or just Sarah um, in the thumbnail, um, and I will typically make things pop out of the border. Mm-hmm. Um, and so instead of it just being a blue box, there will be you know, parts of our head or parts of, you know, whatever is on the edge of the frame will be popping out. Um, so I, I think I take that as an indication of craft that you do edit and care because people could be uploading vlogs, but then let YouTube pick the thumbnail mm-hmm. and it's almost always a 16 by nine clean cut frame. Yeah. But the fact that you have a clean cut frame edited with the border and some kind of Photoshopping, I don't know, mask. Right. It's, it's just like cleaning up a little bit. Yeah. Um, indicates to people that there's a little bit of higher craft with the creation here. Oh, I, I appreciate that feedback. Cause I've actually never, I've never even sought feedback on my thumbnails. Um, mm. I just have done what I wanted to do. Yeah. Um, and hoped, you know, that maybe people, other people like them, but in hearing it from somebody who I respect as an artist, 
you know, give that feedback is very much appreciated. Yeah. Everything we do is trying to anticipate how it's going to affect someone else. Um, so, and then having them all similar, people come to expect what they will get if they click because the thumbnails look the same. Yeah. They know it's you with a vlog talking to the camera, the B roll, friends, families, experiences, documentation. Yeah. Um, and the market, the free market exists. It's mm. strong on YouTube. Uh, I believe that if you just make what you want and you keep that promise uh, every single time you uh, upload a video, the people who want that are going to stick around. And then the people who don't, with time, they'll get bored. Right. <laughs> if you ignore fucking haters and people who like are toxic or just don't align with your content, they should drop off eventually if you have patience. Mm -hmm. So it works, right? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, and that's that's the view that I take of YouTube is if I was chasing immediate eyeballs, my content would look completely different. My thumbnails would look completely different. But I'm not chasing immediate eyeballs. I'm chasing longevity and I'm chasing after a sustainable audience who is watching my videos for because they like Sarah and I mm -hmm. and they want to be a part of that experience and my videos – either entertain them, educate them or soothe them, you know, whatever it is. Um, I'm not trying to, you know, I put out three videos a week. I'm not trying to compete every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday with all of Monday, Wednesday, and Friday's videos. I'm trying to put out this content that is uh, last longer than Monday. That if you find it three years from now, it doesn't, it, it's the same video. It's a lot of content though. You obviously, I go back and watch some of my videos sometimes, but there are some videos that I barely watch or if not have never revisited, mm -hmm. even though I do like them. I just forget they exist. Yeah. Have you ever considered uploading one video versus three? So let's say you have 30 minutes of footage. Uh, instead of uploading three 10 minute vlogs, you mm -hmm. condense, uh, content density into like one three minute video. Like, have you considered? Cause you can go both ways. You could right. make... You can make 10 videos that are 10 minutes long with the same amount of footage, um, but maybe it's a little slower or more talking. You know, mm -hmm. it's just density. Have you considered that, gone back and forth a little bit over the past year? Um, I've... Because you broke your London into three? Uh, five. Five? Fuck. Okay. I mean, we were there so for... what if you made one single video? How Have you considered that, or what do you think that would change? Um, I haven't... I like legitimately like sat down and like considered, you know, doing that. I mean, I, I've, I've had thoughts of, of what it would be like instead of, you know, doing Monday, Wednesday, Friday, if it was just one video, that type of thing. But I do for multiple couple reasons, I guess one on the engineer side is I am a small, you know, YouTuber on the platform, I'm in like very much that growth phase. Um, and in, I'm in, I guess the second hardest growth phase currently, which is the after 10,000, but before, you know, 50 or a hundred thousand, whatever it is. Um, and so trying to maintain my craft, but also play into the, the game a little bit, and, you know, to create the stuff, to create an audience, to, you know, have things feed the algorithm. But at the, at the same time, making the three videos is not really that difficult for me. Um, I like doing it. 
and I also let's take London for example. I was there for seven days. If I just had one video of that whole time in London, I wouldn't enjoy it as much myself. It, thinking about me revisiting my memories, I love that I have like a day by day uh, recounting, I guess, of of what happened in London. Mm-hmm. Um, that is not to say that I wouldn't also love a full like London trip travel vlog of the whole time. It's like the the best of the best of the best of the best, you know, condensed down. Obviously, huge merit to that. And I mean, most, I mean, that's what a a legitimate film is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but I do love the the story aspect and the memory aspect and and uh, of having all of that kind of captured. Okay. Yeah. Well, I would suggest. Well, okay. Um, the idea of movies and trailers. Uh, I watch podcasts and. I watched Joe Rogan mm-hmm. and he's a little, he's got very long, sometimes three, four hour long episodes. And he's got a lot of random smaller people that people don't really know. Um, but to sit down and to watch in the first place is tough, but then every so often he's got Neil deGrasse Tyson or <laughs> Mark ass Brownlee. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, and then Elon Musk. So it's interesting when, you have like keystone videos that get the attention of people who don't really know the content that much. And then I, once I watched those more popular people that I know, I found myself um, finding out that I actually do enjoy the smaller uh, podcast episodes of people I didn't know, but I only got there because of the keystone videos. Mm -hmm. But then he also does, um, I don't know if you watch it, but uh, like weekly updates so like maybe a 10 to 15 minute video of the best of the podcast of that week so taking Mm -hmm. let's say 20 25 hours worth into a a 10 minute video Mm -hmm. and then every year he'll do best of the year which is like an hour-long video but of how many thousands hours of episodes so just in the engineering space, I think that makes sense because, you know, we've seen PewDiePie do it. He got his success, what, five years ago because of the funny montages. Mm-hmm. He's been making videos for the longest time, but people just didn't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, people who didn't know him found out that they love his stuff just because he made very dense videos uh, that took an entire year to film. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. I personally... I, I like to revisit memories and I shoot my vlogs just for me with no sponsorship and just like stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but I'm starting to realize that it might be interesting to try to make, to think about density a little bit. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, at the, from a, from like a work standpoint, would I rather make one video a week than three? Yes. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, but like I said, you can go both ways. Like someone could be doing this too much and they're just not uplo- uploading enough content or there's a lot of story that's going missing. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's interesting. Yeah. I mean, I, I would, I would hope that I'm and I, in my mind, in my workflow and that type of stuff, I'm not creating length just for the sake of creating length. It's, mm-hmm. it's not about, you know, I'm not sitting here thinking, well, I mean, this is only four minutes. I need to like, you put in this really long talking clip to make sure that it's 10 or anything like that. I cut my video with what I shot and 
whatever that is, I, you know, obviously refine, cut down, you know, cut out anything I think is, you know, boring or bad, you know, whatever. And then whatever that is, that's what it is. Mm -hmm. So if it's eight minutes, it's eight minutes. If it's 17, it's 17. Um, I don't really play into that. But what I was, my initial statement started with, I hope that when the, I hope the viewer notices that as well, that it's not five videos just because I, I wanted to feed the algorithm and make it five videos. It's five videos because I actually have five videos worth of something to watch. Mm. So let's use one more example. Yes. Sarah Dicci's always talking about one for me, one for them. Mm -hmm. Make a video that you want to make that no one, ex that no one asks for, and then make a video that you know people will want mm -hmm. that you necessarily don't want to make, but sh Let's, let's say it's like a small net and a big net for casting out to catch fish. Yeah. Like if you, if I just made videos that I wanted to make, they'd be pretty small nets, but every so often catching a lot of fish, uh, makes them realize, you know, Oh, I do like these smaller vlogs and these other things that are going on. So what, what are your thoughts on that? So obviously your biggest net has been the apartment tour video. Right. So what changed after that? So 2 million views has to change a channel in some way. Oh, I mean, I it created the channel. Oh. I mean, it, it was before that, before the apartment tour video, we were making, we were making all of our, you know, vlogs and, and that type of stuff with, we'll call this the dark age. Yeah. <laughs> we all, every YouTuber has a dark age where we crank out content and we're so happy doing it because we don't have any expectations. And then something comes and ruins it like a big success makes us depressed so yeah um <laughs> i don't know if that's your situation but we all we, like a big video usually shakes things up for a youtube channel a bit right yeah i mean i didn't really feel that um but that's be again because i i wasn't and trying to be a youtuber yeah you're not life or uh, hacking it yeah i was just i was like we were moving to new york i was capturing the story and the process of moving to new york for our, myself and our friends and our family um you know we had 200 people a video watching um and then all of a sudden this you know i was very intentional about making the apartment tour that i wanted to watch i watched i don't uh, not you know basically countless number of apartment tours taking notes on like what is it that i like about certain ones and not about certain you know others just yeah. make it better and faster of and, what you already watch and and i captured you know i was like okay i really like the way that apartment therapy does this but they apartment therapy yeah what's that um i think i'm pretty sure that's the name of the channel um it was, it, they're more than just a youtube channel they're like uh, it's all apartment tours? A, a whole website but yeah like the apartment therapy um they they go in like documentary style and show people's spaces hmm. And it's very, very well produced, which that was what I took away from them is that I love how well produced their stuff was. But I never really went away from their videos understanding the way the apartment looked. <laughs> yeah. um, it was like they did they got really good sound bites from the apartment dweller and they, you know, got really beautiful shots of the candle in the corner. But it was like I I still don't really understand how that apartment was laid out. And then I would watch people who were youtubers and they would be opening their cabinets and telling me the story behind every single cup they had <laughs> and i'm like this is you know yep. too much but at the end of, the, of their video i actually did understand the way their apartment was laid out and the decisions that they made yeah. so i took all of that i made a shot list and just made the apartment tour that you know basically what i would consider 
I wanted to be like the best apartment tour that I could make. And so I did that. I was thinking this video is going to be the biggest video on our channel. We're probably going to get like 2000 views. This is going to be insane. And then got 2000 views, like within the first day. <laughs> um, and then it was like 10,000 views the first week. Yeah. And then Sarah and I were just sitting here like, Oh my gosh, this thing, it, it might hit 20,000 views. And you're like, stop. <laughs> and then it just like kept going and kept going. And then because we had already started vlogging and we had a backlog of content, um, you know, I don't know, 30, 40, whatever, how many ever videos it was, people were sticking around because they were able to watch other videos and actually subscribe. And then, cool. and then the video itself, it didn't truly go viral until maybe a few weeks after that where we had already put out even more videos. Mm -hmm. And so the new videos that they were able to watch and like brought subscribers. And so we went from 300 subscribers to, I don't remember the exact numbers, but it was, you know, in the thousands, five, you know, four, thousand, something like that. I don't know what it was, but essentially it just like sparked this idea in me that like, oh, maybe we could do this. I love, I've always, making videos has always, always, always been my passion. I, I discovered that in seventh grade, you know, well, how many ever years ago? I'm 29 now. And I, there was that whole season of my junior high life where I would go home and I would make a video of whatever it was, just stupid stuff. And then I would go to school and I would show it to my videography teacher because we had an elective called videography that sparked me into like being able, wanting to do it. And I was always to like get him to approve. Mm -hmm. And he was always like, that was good, but what if you did this? And I was like, oh, you just got just like getting angry of like, why just tell me you like it. And I'd go home, make another video and I'd come back and go home, make another video, come back. So, and then that got me into photography and design because photography and design were much easier to do alone because nobody else wanted to really make videos with me. It wasn't really the interest of anybody else. And I had never, the, the term vlogging or the, which is essentially first person filmmaking wasn't a thing back then. And, it, and if it was, it was not a thing that was ever in my radar. And so I thought to make videos, you have to have actors and you have to have other people making them with you. And so I, I slowly started getting it more into the other creative arts and building those skills, which ended up getting me, you know, the career that I had. But at the end of the day, back long-winded answer to this of just the fact that I started in video and that is my passion. That's what drives me. That is the thing that I can do day in, day out. And I feel energized by it is create videos. So that was like, you know, we moved here with no necessary, like we didn't, we didn't move here with like a plan of what we were going to do. And so I, as a, again, like as, as, as for my Christian worldview is kind of like, I'm moving here in faith, you know, just knowing that I'm here for a reason and waiting and working to find that reason. And then this YouTube thing kind of like fell in my lap and it was like, well, maybe this is the reason. And then I started creating stuff and it was all working out. I love it. It fits right into my passions and desires and has potential for uh, career money. Um, just waiting on that part. <laughs> uh. I think people should wait to monetize. I think people monetize way too early, way too aggressively. 
a lot of people, well, you kind of understand the education track of monetizing that knowledge, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's pretty easy to start making videos that teach people how to's. Yeah. And then you start to get DMs, um, emails, people asking for advice. You answer that all the little ones. Um, and then you try to make common questions that you get a lot into videos on your channel to answer as many, to, to kill as many birds as you can with one stone. And then people move into coaching and webinars and workshops and then speaking engagements and conferences. Um, do you think that would be a path or would you picture the sponsorship and creating videos that promote other people's products or services is more your route? I mean, 100% definitely more the education, education route. I mean, the coaching is already something that I do now, um, and creating educational content is something I love to do. That's something that people have always told me that is one of my strengths is being able to overcome the curse of knowledge, to be able to explain things in ways that people can understand. And so that fits way more my speed and also... I don't buy things. And so it's very hard for me to really genuinely get behind a lot of sponsorships because it's it's hard for me to perpetuate a system that I don't believe in and don't mm -hmm. like. The, yeah. the system of just of not capitalism as a whole, but consumerism. And so for me to, you know, it's not that I label myself a minimalist or I label myself as some, you know, look, at, come watch my stuff so you can learn about minimalism. I live my life, which happens to be generally minimal, and I don't want to be fake. I want to be an authentic version of myself on YouTube as I am in person. And if I'm not genuinely excited about a product and I'm not actually telling my friends, bro, I just got this, you know, DJ, DJI Osmo Pocket. It's amazing. Yeah. Check it out. Then I'm not going to talk about it like for money. Yeah, it's a paradox because the commercials that you'd want to create, you would do for free, and regardless right. if anyone's paying you. Exactly. Those are the best commercials right. when you genuinely want to share and get people to check out this thing because it brought you joy. Yeah, it's a paradox. Um, yeah, I get that. I don't want to spend money on things as well. And I found that as I started to get less stuff and more intentional with what I did own and use, it became harder to review things because yeah. I, just, I don't like what I've got is what I use. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, I don't know. It's really tough. So I, I think I'm going to be moving down the track of education mm -hmm. more. Yeah. I think it makes sense. I totally agree. Yeah. And, and honestly, it is leveraging uh, hard skills, um, versus leveraging an audience and yeah. not that either one of them is right or wrong. They just are, but it, I feel like for people, you know, maybe people like us, it feels, um, real to sell a hard skill. Like we, we have obtained this knowledge, this skill set, and we have refined a craft to the point where now we can charge to learn that knowledge from us versus I just got really lucky and have a bunch of numbers behind me and now brands want they don't really they don't even care if I make good videos mm -hmm. they don't care if 
you know what the crap it is as long as i don't as long as i don't say something bad about the product and the product is clearly shown and you know marketed that is the only thing they care about yeah it's a short-term gain to say yes to those emails we're talking about probably all the marketing emails that you get just by publicly showing an email on your youtube channel you start to get them right, right? Yeah. yeah um okay well let's switch gears let's yeah. talk about sarah Dici. okay <laughs> <laughs> she's not here in the city she's busy off uh ruling the world somewhere yeah uh but uh did you know her stuff did you watch her before you moved to the city oh yeah. or was okay yeah um did you meet her before you moved to the city or did you reach out um so when we were in Tulsa, uh, Sarah was one of the like small handful of YouTubers that I was watching. I really enjoyed watching Sarah's stuff because it felt um, like she was just a few steps ahead of me in um, what I was like in in creating videos and things like that. It wasn't somebody, you know, like like looking to Casey who was many 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 steps ahead of me mm-hmm. it was like i can watch somebody who is very relatable who i really enjoy her personality and i genuinely feel like i could be friends with her yeah. if she's anything like what she's in her videos in real life then we would actually be friends if we lived in the same town and then watching her uh content i was like this this is this is something that is just a few steps ahead of me it's something i can look to as like inspiration and for knowledge and skills and things like that and then I, because I was a fan, yeah. you know, I, things that she would tweet, I would tweet back at her and things like that. Well, first off, do you subscribe to other YouTubers who are a couple steps uh, close to you? Or is that something you can only do in a small sense? Like, who do you watch on YouTube? Like, I don't know. I, I feel like it's kind of impossible for us to keep up with all of our friends in a way. Yeah, um, totally. So she was probably the one person that you watched and wanted to reach out to. Yeah. And we'll get to this story, but I would love to make a video that teaches younger YouTubers how to reach out to these people that they follow Mm -hmm. and get their attention and actually provide value. So do you have a story on that? Yeah. Um, (laughs) What was the plan? I mean, I didn't really have a plan. I did have this like, you know, desire of like, I really feel like we could be friends with this person, you know? And I, I understand that most of the time when you're watching vloggers you get that feeling that's kind of the point of that's that's why you watch them like if it's not for the amazing like cinematography of of some vloggers then for others it's for their personality and you relate to them and so you feel like i could be friends um so i totally get that i could have been 100 percent wrong but Mm -hmm. like it it just really felt like if we were in the same town we we would be in the same friend group and so that was kind of the desire and then we I had tweeted at her, and like I mentioned earlier, I have a very brandable face, and so whenever we moved here, the third or fourth day we were here, um, she tweeted that she was doing a YouTuber meetup in Madison Square uh, Park, and uh, it was, we just moved here, we didn't have anything to do, so we are like, let's go do it. And Why not? Um, my wife, Sarah, was like, ah, I don't know, I mean, we kind of... You know, we, if we want to be friends with these people, do we actually want to meet them at a meetup? Is that the way, mm. like, that you want your first introduction to them to be? That, mm. like, you're coming as a fan versus a collaborator or, you know, something like that. And I was like, I don't really care. Like, yeah. I, I mean, I don't, I don't, 
I think it's a valid question, but I don't know what the answer is because I've never been in the position of having to meet up and being like, no, I'm not going to be friends with anybody who comes to this meetup because these are fans. Like I, I had no context for that. So it just what is what it is. We went and it was really awesome because we met Sarah and the first thing she, she immediately recognized me from Twitter. And so there was already a connection there. Um, and then we, you know, had a, just a very quick conversation. And that connection could have been good or bad. You know, so if you were someone who was annoying or <laughs> right. got a sense of manipulation or right. I want to use you as a person, would have been bad. But yeah. you already established that you were helpful and willing to help or friendly, right? Okay. And so, I mean, I, I honestly have no idea what the tweets were that I sent her. I mean, it would just yeah. been replies, okay. you know, or whatever. But then I go, she recognized from Twitter, we have like a, just a short conversation. And, but then the great thing was that it was a, a multi YouTuber meetup. And so we were able to meet you. Um, and we, I remember, um, you actually filmed us for a little bit. Um, and it, uh, it was funny because you asked us a question and we started to answer, and then you stopped recording. You're like, I don't know what I would ever use that for. Really? Yeah. Wow. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, and then, beat-ups are weird. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, and then we were also able to... Yeah, I just, I didn't want to have, like, a conversation with a camera between us. I <laughs> mm-hmm. was like, I don't know who you are. Let's talk. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so, we were able to meet uh, um, Sam Sheffer and Eric Conover. Um, and then a bunch of other, like Sarah friends, the whole friend group kind of, you know, was there of, uh, Brandon powers and yeah. Chris Hall. Um, wow. they, everybody Old was school. there. And because I, I really only ever watched Sarah's videos. Um, but all of you guys were in her videos, So I knew all of your names. So I was able to walk right up to you and say, Hey Craig, hmm. like nice to meet you. And I walk, you know, right up to, you know, people like Chris Hall and Brandon powers who both were not YouTubers and they, it made them feel good for me to remember their name and actually have a conversation with them, which was, you know, able to make an impression. Yeah. But then let's just, you know, fast forward. It's, it's months later. We, uh, didn't like necessarily make a friendship connection with, you know, any of you guys. Um, it was more so we had that first connection. We had months of, I mean, that was like our, fourth day of being here and so uh through the next weeks and month we was like get trying to find an apartment getting an apartment building the apartment um and then making the apartment video but then the apartment video itself um you know went viral and made it into most all of you guys's um home pages organically hmm. and a lot of the people we met at the meetup watched it without me, you know, sending it to them without anything. And so watching it, recognizing me, mm-hmm. seeing that it is a very good video. And so one, it was proving my skills. And also in, in that case, you know, it could be a little bit of validation um, for the skill set, uh, that type of thing. And a lot of the group, you know, would commented on the video and like, hey, like love, you know, love the apartment. It looks amazing and stuff like that. And then after that, I DM'd Sarah and I just said, um, Hey, um, it was great meeting you at the, you know, meetup. Um, I just wanted to, to let you know that if you ever need help with anything, um, filming, um, you know, whatever it's like, I'm, I'm totally down to like, just come and help you out. And, 
you know, we, she told me later, you know, after we became friends, you know, it's like, that was, I really needed help. Like at okay. that, you know, in that time, it so was the like, timing worked, but she probably had other people. She ask- never, well, I don't know if she had other people asking. Okay. Maybe not at that point, but definitely now. Yeah, I mean, maybe she did have other people asking, but again, we already had that face, that first face to face connection. Yeah. We had a internet connection of, of proving skills and then, so it's a, a, you know, a progression of events happening. Yeah. And then it was reaching out and saying, um, like, Hey, I, I just want to, I, I will help you with, you know, whatever you need and not asking, uh, Hey, can we collaborate and be in each other's videos? Yeah. It was more so just let me come hold the camera for you. So that in an eggshell is what can I do for you versus what can you do for me? Yeah. And at the beginning of the relationship, you were focusing on what can I do for you? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, well, always and forever. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, do you do you remember the first video that you helped her with? Um, yeah, it actually wasn't a video for YouTube. It was uh, I. The first thing I helped her with was her how to vlog for Skillshare. Okay. Yeah, and so it was not a YouTube thing. It was literally just helping her film the video. Um, it was, and in that moment, I think. I, I don't know if, if this, I don't know what the impression it was on her because I'm not her and we haven't had this conversation. But for me, I wanted to make it very clear that it, while we were filming, we were kind of done and we were just kind of having a conversation. You know, she, she offhandedly, you know, mentioned like, well, I'll have to have, uh, you know, you and Sarah. And so you can actually be in a, in a video. And I was like, I, I was like, I very much, you know, appreciate that. But I just want to let you know, like, I'm not, I'm not doing this for you to, to like get into a video. Like I'm not, I'm not doing this right now for, you know, a shout out. Um, I genuinely like you as a person and I just, I just wanted to like hang out and help you do, you know, whatever you need to do. Yeah. Um, so just being like very clear and very upfront, you know, about that. Um, but that was important, I guess for me, I, I don't know if it was important for her, but it was important for me to know that she knew that. <laughs> Yeah. So just doubling down on I'm, I'm doing yeah, stuff for you. Exactly. So scrolling through this, is there any one first video that you think you actually shot or helped edit? Um, yeah, I mean I helped that one. What was it? Uh my first camera. My but first camera? that one I mean that was a while. Um I helped her with this one. Actually this is our collab right here, the uh Canon sixty Mark II versus so uh what was that? This is uh so that was walking around comparing cameras? Yeah. So that was like our first like legit like collaboration of it was like our video. Okay. Um, so this was like lavved up. You were holding the camera for her. She was holding the camera for you kind of thing? Um, yeah. Just like sitting next to each other, like com- direct comparison, Canon 60 Mark II versus Sony okay. A7S II or whatever it is. Um, but we had done. Um, She's got a lot of videos. Yeah. It's <laughs> insane. Um, cause I mean this, a lot of these are a while after we were like already friends. Cause I helped with this, uh, what is Sony Arcs, Sony Arcs 100, um, review. Yeah. Okay. So this a lot of camera board. comparison stuff, it seems right. Maybe no. Yeah. I mean, it really, I mean, it's all over the board. Um, yeah. Oh, I was going the wrong direction. <laughs> uh, oh, so it's older than a year. Yeah, I helped with the best electric skateboard. Um, so what did you help with? Just filming. 
Okay. Oh, so. and, and I would ride, you know, rode, John and I rode the skateboards for her, her to film us. Um, and, and this is her reaching out to you, I need help, or is this yeah. like, I'm ready and able to help, and then she's like, I'm working on this today? So once we, like, had that rapport, it was, it was a few times of me reaching out and saying, hey, here's my schedule this week. If there's anything during these times, I'd love to help. Okay. And then it turned into where it flipped. And once she knew that she liked, basically once she, we had developed a little bit of a relationship, it was, you know, there'd just be a week. She's like, Hey, I'm filming a video on Thursday. Can you help? And I'm like, absolutely. I'll be there. Okay. I'd say that's what most people want to get to. But if there was a young YouTuber who watches someone, um, so you're, what what is your advice to those people? So it, it, it's always, it's, it's a weird balance between knowing what they want before they know it mm-hmm. and uh, just saying you're available. Because I would say most people have little to no success saying, I'll do anything you want whenever, just let me know. It's just, it's just like too much. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, I think the biggest thing is is I don't and I don't really I don't know if I have a great answer for this, but there has to be a shift where you know this person's not a weirdo. Yeah. Okay. Because you get a lot of DMs and you get a lot of emails and you get a lot of people reaching out and maybe 90% of those people aren't weirdos. Mm-hmm. But 10% of them are. Mm-hmm. And it's hard. Sometimes it's really hard to gauge just by the DM itself. I mean, sometimes you you know the really weird ones just by the DM. But then there there are a lot of like gray area that you really have no idea. Yeah. And I think that sometimes on the creator side, it is just taking a risk if you've never had that face to face connection. And that's why it's hard for me to really say like this is what I would want from somebody else because I had that first face-to-face connection with everybody I reached out to. And I think maybe, maybe that is the, the secret or something is that you need to have at least one, you know, touch of base before you just DM people, um, and, okay. and ask for, you know, to, to come like help them. I think that makes sense. Um, in stock terms, it's like hedging your bet. Because let's say the moment you place your bet is when you reach out. And if you had just reached out to Sarah, maybe in the same way that you did months after you already met, but you didn't have the face-to-face recognition with other with other people, mm-hmm. you know, if you hadn't ever tweeted her before, it probably yeah. would have fallen on ears and, and it would have been different. But aligning, uh, being in other people's content and becoming friends with the friends of the person that you're reaching out to, I think is the secret sauce, right? Yeah. yeah. And I mean, I know, but again, <laughs> if you are doing this as a formula, then you're doing it for the wrong reasons. I think it's smart to be smart about things. I don't think you should waste anyone's time and everyone wants to get something from every 
you know, interaction, like there's a reason for everything. Like you even, you even said that you started shooting videos because of the reactions you got from your teacher. And I think every filmmaker on YouTube, you know, lives and, and dies from the, the reaction. As much as we say, it's nice to shoot what we want. Um, the reactions of the people who watch and engage is important. I mean, yeah, I w it's definitely not nothing. But I think it, for me, it's not that important. Hmm. Um, I, it's important for me as it, it, if I put um, creator, filmmaker to society and I put on my engineer or entrepreneur hat, then it's important because ultimately I'm trying to make a living as well. I'm trying to provide for my family and I'm trying to, to create freedom for myself. So yes, it does matter in that sense, but it, it on the creator side, in the filmmaker side, it doesn't, I, it doesn't affect me. Okay. Because, and ultimately, I think that is um, having strong emotional convictions and knowing where my self worth comes from, and knowing that those numbers have nothing to do with how I see myself. How I see the business. Is completely different. The business right now is in hardcore startup phase. It's where we're putting in way more resources and uh, hours than output than uh, what we're receiving as far as you know uh, income. But that there's a place in every startup business where that is the case, and there is all you're always betting and you're always hoping that there comes that shift in the business where all of that hard work pays off and the customers come the you know product takes off you know for our case the numbers you know reach a point where we can now uh, have a steady you know somewhat steady income from adsense and everything else and then have an audience that you're able to sell your education to yeah and when you say business what does that look like right now um I mean, my business is I'm the business of a content creator. And so I'm constantly shifting back and forth between the two hats of artist and entrepreneur, or as you put it, the architect and the engineer. Mm -hmm. And so the artist goes out and makes the video. Or let's, let's stop, go before that and say that the entrepreneur sits down you know, and have with my wife, who is my business partner as well, and we discuss what we're going to do that week and make a schedule and say we're going to film on this day. If we have any video ideas that we're going to do that day, mm. and we're going to podcast on this day. Do we have any podcast ideas we're going to do for that? Then the entrepreneur sends the artist out to go make the art, and so I will. You know, my schedule. I, I scheduled myself to go out and make a video that today, and so I'll go out and I make my video. Come back. I edit it, and then I give it back over to the entrepreneur to title, thumbnail, push it out, make micro clips, tweet it, Facebook it, do all that type of stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, th those are kind of the two sides uh, of what it is. Um, the entrepreneur also thinks about um, press kits and brand outreach creating marketable uh, websites or thinking about marketing things that we or can TikTok put. TikTok profile. Yeah. <laughs> it, Let's talk about community. Do, yeah. you, do you think you have, how would you define your community? Uh, people who just want to ex escape 
and watch your content to, you know, see what it's like living your life? Or are they people trying to be like you as a filmmaker? Like, how would you define your community? Because um, that's the basis of education. Right. I think You're, you're going to make the most money trying to help and inspire the people who are following in your footsteps. Yeah. Those are the people who are going to spend, you know, a hundred dollars to watch this thing. Yeah. Um, I, 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 I do know that it is a little of both. It's a pyramid. Um, <laughs> no. because I have, I, I have, um, people who comment and I have a lot of channels that follow me that are of the 10,000 and less subscriber base mm-hmm. that are, you know, subscribed to me, which would in turn tell me, that you know they're they're watching because they enjoy our stuff but also they could be watching for inspiration and and to learn and to want to you know be inspired by the art but then there is also I, i would i would venture to guess that the majority are people who enjoy you know for entertainment purposes or um personal educational purposes um, meaning for it sparks conversations in their brain or with their family that leads to uh, stronger and deeper emotional health and mental health Um, just knowing thyself would always be something that I'm striving for in everything that I do how many of your subscribers do you think watch your videos while they're eating lunch um, <laughs> 99%. That's when I watch YouTube. Yeah. I, is, it, is it a thing I mean, for millennials to watch YouTube while they eat? Do you that, do that? Yeah. I mean, I watch, I do that I watch Good Mythical Morning every lunch. <laughs> Red and Link, eh? Yeah. That's your bread and butter? You watch those guys for years? Yeah. I've been watching them. Uh, I mean, not since the beginning, but okay. for many, many, many seasons, for sure. Um, I don't know how many years it's been, but... Uh, They're your favorite? Yeah. Anyone else? I mean, I have other favorite, I guess, YouTubers, but I would say the Rhett and Link are the only people that I never miss a video. They're a um, podcast, would you say? They're like a podcast and, right? Yeah, I mean, I have listened to their podcast. I listened to all of season one and season two um, whenever they were interviewing other YouTubers because at that time I was not a YouTuber at all and mm. I and I was in that that spot mm-hmm. of being so curious about how do YouTubers make money. And so I, they were doing that. Then they went solo, which I think is actually better. Um, but I, I only have, so I have limited time Yeah, and I only Don't have, I have so, I only have so much podcast time. And so I, I only, I have like a very few amount of podcast shows that I listen to. And I have, I honestly watch very little YouTube. Um, yeah. So that goes back down to the content density. If you were a hardcore, like ultra hardcore, you'd watch every second they upload, regardless of how long or how much. Um, but more people can consume a tiny amount just because time and work and life. So I think it's healthy to have a balance of density. Um, that's just something I'm focusing on. Mm-hmm. Like all, I, I used to shoot much shorter time frame. So like shoot two days, then upload a video. But now I'm kind of capturing for a month and then uploading. Yeah. And then even with that, it feels like a fucking random box of whatever. Like press play. I don't even know what's going to be in there. Mm-hmm. You're about to watch a month load of content. Um, so now I kind of I like the idea of planning out and recording for a month. Uh, but 
to make one single video that's cohesive beginning, middle, and end and not a random box of whatever happens, happens. Mm -hmm. You feel that? Yeah. Uh, Would you say that... Let's go back to, I don't know the actual time frame, but a year, year and a half ago, Craig, Mm -hmm. where you didn't have... You have 100,000 now? Yeah. Um, You don't have 100,000 subscribers. You have, you know, 20. Less. Less than that. 20 subs? Okay. No, 20,000. Okay. (laughs) Um, You have 20,000 subs. Okay. Do you still feel like you could spend, only put out a video a month? Yeah, it's weird. I think younger Craig should have focused more on quality over quantity. And see, that's the thing. I don't think doing just trailers is smart versus documentaries. Mm -hmm. I think it's good to do both. I think it's healthy to do both. Um, Yeah, I I think when I started off doing daily vlogs, that's stupid. Um, It's good in the sense that it taught me how to shoot and edit and like learn YouTube really quickly. It's a crash course, but it almost always ends with crash. Like no one continues to do daily vlogs. That's Mm -hmm. insane. I would say daily vlogs versus shoot for a month and then upload one video is like the ends of the spectrum Mm -hmm. for vlogging. Yeah. Uh, But a year ago, Craig, I would have said, yeah, slow down. Um, I felt like as my sub count grew, the stress and the pressure to always have every video be a home run grew. And I think that's unhealthy. Yeah. I think that stress level should be balanced and the same regardless of what metrics you get, Mm -hmm. because that was telling of like where I was deriving the level of success from how other people were reacting to what I was creating versus how I felt about what I was doing on my own. So yeah, it was unhealthy to change when metrics changed where I should have just created the stuff that I wanted to and then been, been happy with it. Yeah. 2018 was whack. Yo, I learned a lot. Do you think there's listening to you and saying pressure for every upload to be, you know, amazing or pop off or whatever? Yeah. Do you feel like that pressure is increased or decreased putting out less videos? I think that pressure has increased, um, but it shouldn't, you know, I need to work on other things to be okay. But in a sense, I don't know. I think I'm definitely heading towards that direction more though. Yeah. I don't know. This is the biggest question. And this is all we YouTubers talk about, at least when I talk to them, is like, how are you going to package and deliver what you make? Because mm-hmm. I feel like we all grow and change. And I think we sometimes have a good idea of what we want to make, but everyone second guesses themselves on how to package and deliver. Yeah. Everyone. I always second guess. And that is the end of the episode. You made it all the way through, which is amazing because it's hard to get people to watch my content in the first place, but to have someone listen to me ramble on with another person for an hour straight is pretty magical. So you're exactly the kind of person that I'd love to get feedback from. Did you like it? Did you hate it? Let me know on Twitter. That's probably the best place for that convo to happen. But I want to know if I'm just out here rambling to no one, 
I want to know if you actually do like these. Um, I do plan on doing the solo updates and these interviews with creatives. There's a lot of different ways to do it though. I could just ask them questions about how they do what they do, or I could make them more hangout sessions and talk about current stuff. And that would be more an honest, real conversation between me and another person. I don't know if that authenticity is more valuable to you than me kind of interviewing um, and figuring out how someone did something uh, like the story behind their growth and their techniques and their process so yeah that's the kind of stuff that I'm interested in what you find valuable and of course I'm going to keep doing this if you want to start your own podcast I highly recommend checking out the service that I use Simplecast amazing like simple cheap minimal it's got everything you need so check the show notes or honestly any description of my videos on youtube has a link to simplecast of, of course it's an affiliate link so that helps me out if you want to give that a go i believe they have a, a a trial so why not start your own podcast it's really fun um yeah uh if you want to leave a, a review on the podcast that would probably help me a lot uh, and yeah, this is an interview show, this section of the podcast. So tag me and another person that you'd love, love for me to interview on the podcast and tweet. That's probably the best way to make it happen. Uh, cause then we can both retweet it and respond. And that's how, that's how the magic works. So thank you so much for listening all the way. Um, yeah, thanks. All right. Peace. <laughs>